dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Gaffney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. A man who actually specialized in intelligence during part of his distinguished career in the United States government, uh, specifically the United States Navy, and subsequently has brought a lot of his own intelligence to bear on a variety of very important public policy positions in the government, notably as a counsel in the Reagan and George H.W. Bush White Houses, and then as the Assistant Secretary of State for Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs in the State Department under George W. Bush, is our first guest. His name is Robert Charles, no stranger to these microphones. We're very pleased always to have him with us. He's the author of Eagles and Evergreen and a spokesman for a terrific organization, the Association of Mature American Citizens. And you can follow his copious writings there at amac.us. And you also can find him in lots of other media outlets, including this program. We're very pleased to say with regularity. Robert Charles, welcome back. It's good to have you with us. Frank, I am just so grateful that you do what you do every week. And uh, I'm always uh, always privileged to be with you. I want to start with what um, the Biden team is doing every week, it seems. Um, I've written a piece that appeared at uh, Steve Bannon's War Room uh, website and has uh, in the topic of a conversation I had with him earlier in the day. But I'd like to share with our audience sort of the essence of it and get your reaction, Bobby. Uh, I'm convinced, really, when you look at the comprehensive and devastating effect that the Biden team is having with its policy decisions and its personnel choices and the various initiatives it's pursuing really across the board, that um, it's not so much a presidency as it's a wrecking operation. And the effects are going to be very long-lasting if indeed they can be reversed. Give us your thoughts on whether that's a wild overstatement or maybe an apt way of characterizing a remarkable turn of events. I think it's fair to say this is not something that the American people gave Joe Biden a mandate to do, but is that what's afoot? You know, Frank, I think you have a way of distilling things sometimes down to uh, a phrase or an understanding. And I think that that that's a pretty apt phrase. I mean, the problem we have right now, it's hard to know where to begin, is that we, even in the current moment, we're not experiencing probably what will be the nadir or the bottommost point of some of the trajectories that his policies and his, his team have put us on. So uh, the op-tempo, I think, of bad things being loaded into the pipeline is rising. And what do I mean by that? I mean that on the economy, so much poor decision-making has now put us in a position where we're going to see out-of-control inflation. There's just no way, even the Fed is quietly saying, in effect, they don't see a way of containing it. Uh, what we're talking about isn't just even Jimmy Carter style inflation, potentially, 
with this runaway spending trillions now. I mean, people forget. Just go online and look what a thousand is and how many zeros are behind it, and then and then what a million and a billion and a trillion. We, I, having worked for five years on the Hill, Frank, we never saw uh, trillion dollar bills. That this is a brand new phenomenon, and we've got another one hurtling at us like an asteroid uh, here in the next few weeks. I, I, so it's the economy, it's national security, it's a misunderstanding of China, it's an underestimation and a miscasting of Iran, it's a misunderstanding of the intentions of Russia, it's a misunderstanding understanding of why the border is so significant and, and, and the duplicity related to trying to push new restrictions, which essentially shock and cut down the, uh, the Bill of Rights uh, at the same, on the, on the, in the name of COVID, at the same time that you let border, people over the border who are, who are, uh, who are afflicted with COVID. There's, a, there's an incoherence, and I guess I'll just summarize it, my own little distillation this way. You know, to fly a jet by somebody who knows what they're doing is actually not such a difficult task if you ask uh, fighter pilots or even commercial pilots. But you put the wrong person in there who knows nothing, and worse, someone in there who thinks they're in a rowboat, and everything goes bad real fast. And that's the problem we've got here. It is the case that it seems to me there's a design to it, not just incompetence, um, which I think most of us would sort of <laughs> default to under normal circumstances. But uh, as you say, uh, you've enumerated a couple of the um, examples of, uh, of real wreckage that is now uh, being left in the wake of uh, the Biden policies, and I'm fearful that uh, we're going to see more of it. A place that most people aren't focused on, but you have of late, Bobby, to your credit, is uh, Latin America. And you've just written a piece about China in Latin America, and I'm very anxious to get your thoughts on this, especially since one of the places that uh, we've seen reporting about uh, what the Chinese are up to is helping the Cubans suppress the popular opposition that has arisen to their various, you know, uh, communist predations. Um, the, the so-called People's Armed Police. Uh, having spent a lot of time with law enforcement types, I'm sure those folks have come across your radar scope, but they're apparently training a Black Beret in uh, Cuba and I imagine elsewhere for the purposes of repression uh, in the Chinese style. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what you've done is you've taken one area, which is absolutely important, uh, and, and, and zeroed on it. And ironically, it's hard to know where to begin, even in, in this area, which is the Chinese influence in this hemisphere. Uh, I mean, in, in a way, I want to remind people that, you know, here we are in a sunny summer and, you know, you, you, the sun can be shining on you and you feel pretty good and you don't think anything's going to change. But there's an enormous cloud drifting over that sun and it's 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 it, it can very rapidly shut out all the light. And I think that's what's happening with China in this hemisphere. I mean, to be honest, the, the, the Cuba issue is only one dimension. Obviously, China, interestingly, and as a matter of public record, China, Russia, and Iran supported uh, the Cuban crackdown, the communist crackdown on the freedom fighters who are asking in the streets. They finally have come to the point where their freedom is more important than their lives. And I think we have always stood with people whose lives uh, we treasure because they treasure freedom. And frankly, that's what our founders treasured. Let me just give you a few data points because they're just critical. I mean, China's influence in the last 20 years, that's not a very long period of time, has expanded 18-fold to $314 billion in this hemisphere. They are methodically taking over mines, ports, telecommunications, the electricity grids across the hemisphere outside the United States. Now, they're influencing us here, too. They're penetrated research institutions, companies, etc. But what they're doing in this hemisphere is overt. 
They are going down and they are buying up and taking control. And what do they want to do in those locations? They are all tied back to the Chinese military. There's no compunction. There's no question. And they have sidelights. I mean, so another shaft of what I, what I call another cloud that's drifting over us from, from China is this idea of military police. You mentioned Cuba, and that's true. And they've been tied, for example, also to the UN peacekeeping efforts, but then expanding their tentacles beyond that in Haiti. And in fact, there's very serious concern. Uh, members of Congress have written to the Biden administration because they see things that you and I don't see uh, these days. And they are very concerned that China is seeking to uh, exercise influence not only in Haiti, but on this region to try to get this region to disavow support. And Haiti has supported Taiwan so that they in turn can isolate Taiwan and begin to move out in their own hemisphere. They have effectively taken over when the United States backed away after the George W. Bush administration, we backed away from support for key allies in this region, including Colombia. And by backing away, we left a gap. As they used to say, it doesn't take long. You pull your fist out of a bucket of water and it fills in behind you real fast. Well, what filled in was China. And so China in this hemisphere, Frank, has gone over and above to try to essentially do everything from security training in places like, uh, you know, Colombia and across the Andean region to uh, to trying to push Marxism in Peru, which they apparently are successfully doing. And, and, and we're all at risk here. So I think people just need to understand it can seem nice and sunny just now, but the cloud is coming and you need to be aware of the cloud and you need to do everything you can to avert it. So true, Bobby. And one of the things that we've discussed before is, of course, um, the emergence of a new potentially very communist-dominated country in our hemisphere, namely Peru. And I believe there's evidence that the Cubans and the Iranians and the Russians and the Chinese are already, you know, getting their hooks into the new government of uh, Pedro Castillo. It, it's, uh, it's a very troubled um, first few days in office for this fellow. Um, I'm told that he's been uh, uh, relying upon and appointing even um, criminals to his cabinet. And uh, this will uh, have things come out rather badly rather quickly, I'm afraid. What are your thoughts? Let, let me offer, yeah, let me offer a footnote there. I mean, I, I have personally known two presidents of, of, of Peru, gotten to know them in, in, in multiple visits during a periods of time when they were seemingly, uh, and neither one of them was Marxist. Uh, they were of different stripes and different uh, capacities. But but the bottom line was, uh, this, this president's very different. And I want to just connect some dots for you here so that people see the connectivity. This Marxist president, Castillo, and the appointment of those that have been tied to the cocaine trade uh, and his uh, avowal that he's going to essentially lift the lid and let massive coca and cocaine syndicates, as they did in Bolivia, take off Essentially, get the drug enforcement the administration out of the country, right. kick, among kick, other kick, kick the DEA out, etc. Uh, so that's not only going to destabilize his country and allow rule of law to be replaced by public corruption in a massive drug funded way, perhaps and almost certainly allowing a resurgence of the shining path in certain parts of the country, terrorizing people. But it goes way beyond that. In the Eastern Pacific, we can now expect, and I suspect also up through Colombia uh, necessarily, just because this is the way they operate, up through the Caribbean, you're going to see a massive wave of cocaine. And one of the things you need to understand, Americans need to understand, is that just this last year, the data just came out two weeks ago, we saw somewhere between, I think, 91 and 93,000 overdoses, a 30% increase in the last 12 months. That is unprecedented. We've never seen a 30% increase. And now, all those drugs, the fentanyl, the heroin, the cocaine, the other synthetics, they're all coming over the border. They're not made in the United States. And so what, what happens is you open the door through Peru and, and, and don't think that China and Iran and everybody else doesn't want to destabilize us by feeding the beast. I mean, it was Khrushchev who said that, you know, the drugs 
ultimately in the indulgence of the American people will ultimately crush them. Uh, and, and this is something we've got to be we've got to be aware. These are not incidental issues. These go to the very foundation. They're eroding the foundation of the next generation and the foundation of rule of law in the hemisphere, in these countries, but also here in the United States. So true. And again, an, another urgent reason for us to be making sure we're not neglecting, ignoring or otherwise taking for granted what's going on south of our border. Um, you've also addressed yourself, Bobby, to another issue that's uh, very close to home uh, at amac.us entitled COVID Today, some ground truth. Share some of those ground truths with us, because I think more and more uh, of us are now very confused about where the truth lies on anything having to do with this disease, uh, the disease itself, for one thing, but also uh, the remedies to it. Well, as you know, Frank, it's especially of concern to AMAC. AMAC represents basically traditional and conservative Americans over the age of 50, and that includes some at-risk populations for, for the original alpha version of uh, COVID. What do we know? I, I have spent uh, you know just hours going back through not only open source, but going and calling some senior doctors and understanding what they think about this Delta variant. And I'm not a doctor. I'll make that crystal clear from the outset. But what I assess uh, at this point is that we have two threats going on at once, and they are uh, they're both they're both misunderstood. The first threat is to our Bill of Rights, and I really do mean that. I mean that when you see what's happening in D.C. and New York and other places, thank God for a little bit of pushback from Boston. The notion that we are going to somehow compromise all of our individual liberties now because we have a, a variant that could be problematic for some sub, subgroups is just utterly unthinkable, and we need to fight back against that. The second big big threat is what what is this Delta variant? We've gotten cross cross information from CDC. There's many reasons not to trust Mr. Fauci. He seems to be protecting himself first and, and uh, the American people second. But let me go to the heart of it. The heart of it is that every mutation, according to doctors that I have now spent a lot of time talking to, every variant or mutation, every virus varies or, or has mutations, both in its own in its own world and in response to vaccines. It's trying to find ways to survive and to and to repopulate and to and to infect. And so what do we know about the Delta variant? By all indications, the Delta variant is a weaker version, which is very, very appropriate. Uh, viruses get weaker as they mutate. The second thing is, though, they also become more desperate. And so they seek to transit or to travel faster. So what you have is a more readily transmissible, but relatively less dangerous uh, uh, a virus. So that, that affects, and undoubtedly it will affect people that haven't had a vaccine probably more, but this is an experimental vaccine. Uh, this is not a vaccine. You can't change the laws of physics and biology and time and somehow get a safe ruling on this the way that the FDA usually does if you don't have the passage of three or five or seven years. So we're looking at an experimental uh, vaccine out there that seems to be working on 90 plus percent of the people on the alpha variant and some eight and 10 on the other variant. Although, you know, to be honest, we don't really know. And we don't know about side effects when it comes to pregnant women or, or younger children. The, var the variation that I think is most, the, the pinpoint I'll just give you is that I said to this guy, can you give me, a, the, the latest doctor I talked to, senior, can you give me some understanding in your real life environment about what people are looking at? He said, sure. Last week, I diagnosed 20 people with a Delta variant in an ER. And of that group, 18 were under the age of 18 and one was three months old. And so I, on the phone, I, I gasped. I said, are you kidding? He said, no, it's, it's, not, it's not as big a deal as you think. They'll all probably be just fine. This is a relatively, uh, a relatively weak variant. So then I said, so are you saying that it was more or less dangerous 
those obviously weren't folks who had the vaccine. Where do you come out on that? And he said, ultimately, this has to be people go out, look at what information is available. We have incomplete information. It is a fact that we have incomplete information. They need to assess and make a decision based on their own family and on their own lives and on their own physical conditions. So my my takeaway from it was there is a tremendous amount of confusion. It's causing distrust because the Biden administration has used this for political purposes, and that undermines trust in everybody. Bonnie, let me ask you a question based on, in part, what you've just said, but also in part on your experience in the United States military, uh, the Navy specifically. Um, A colleague of mine has shared with me that uh, uh, a unit he knows of in the military has 8% vaccinated in the unit population. They're receiving orders, as I understand it, from the commander-in-chief that everybody has to be vaccinated. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the likelihood that um, in this all-volunteer force, especially one that is being subjected to the kinds of, well, I think uh, horrifically oppressive indoctrination that has uh, come about through this so-called critical race theory training and, 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 you know, the threat of being purged if you're deemed an extremist by a bunch of leftists and so on. But that, that we'll see the kind of people we want in the United States military, warriors, people who are patriots, people who love this country, people who take their oath of office seriously, essentially driven from the ranks uh, for one or the other of these reasons, not least of which maybe they refuse to be vaccinated for reasons that you've just described or legitimate concerns on their part. Yeah. So two separate issues. First, on the CRT indoctrination, uh, the sort of elevation of this transgender business and all of that, uh, using the military as a social experiment, I'm very much against that. Uh, I think that it it will affect recruiting. Uh, I think it's already affecting recruiting. I think people are saying, look, I believe in my country. I believe in the Bill of Rights. I believe in the Constitution. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people have walked a military cemetery. We understand the sacrifice that was handed on to us and want to do our job, that that is now being sort of laid against or put against this idea that somehow by joining the military, you're going to be psychologically uh, exposed to the ideas and not, not, not just exposed, but compelled to accept ideas that your conscience doesn't allow you to accept. So that's problematic. That's its own issue. And I have written, if people want to go to the AMAC.us site, you will see deep resource materials you can use at school boards. You can use them talking to recruiters. You can use them anywhere you want on, C- on CRT. It's really deep. They've got a deep bench on that. On the other issue, vaccines, you know, I, I'm, I'm of two minds, and I'll tell you why, Frank. We, we want warriors. Warriors, every warrior, everybody who signs up in the military signs a thing called a page two, which is basically, you know, what do you do with my what's left of me when I'm done and, and, I, and, I've, and I've expired, right? So we know what we're doing, and we all know that. And I have to laugh aloud in a way because people, this is an experimental uh, 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 vaccine, so there's valuable, val- valid reasons for people to say it is not FDA approved. I am not eager to take this because I don't know whether I'm going to end up with a thalidomide child now as a result, et cetera. So there's valid reasons to know why and what. On the other hand, what we see in the immediate evidence is that it has a deterrent effect on the viruses. Uh, the viruses carry their own risks. And so there is some you know, serious validity as you get older in age to, to have this uh, rather than you know, the very young. But I will tell you that when I was in the military for 10 years, I, you know, military has a way of sometimes losing your medical records. I got, I think I got three anthrax shots. I got, I got shots for everything because when you were on active duty, you basically just take the shots they give you so you can go do whatever you got to do. And I will just say there is an element of the United States military. There are people in the United States military who are deep patriots who will say, 
look, I signed up to take risks for my country. Uh, I don't like this, but I, I, because I don't know what I, I don't know that they even know what they're administering to me, but I'm going to do this. And I just think the bigger concern to me, Frank, is not a, a virus and a vaccine that over time will probably find has some side effects, but God willing are not enormous. I think the bigger concern is the indoctrination of our military uh, cadre, our, 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 our deepest and best patriots with some sort of cockamamie CRT stuff that even Martin Luther King and Abraham Lincoln would be dead against. We can stipulate to that. I think the other, you know, may be a matter of personal judgment and uh, we'll watch this play out. And Bobby, I know you'll be putting eyes on it and we look forward to talking with you about what you see and uh, make of it as well. Thank you for your time today, my friend. Come back to us again very soon, if you would, and uh, keep up the great work you do at amac.us, right, as, as, uh, as, as you can. Next up, uh, we're going to speak with Trevor Loudon about the problem of the enemy within, Eric Swalwell being case in point. More straight in. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney. <laughs> 